So we want everybody to be back here the next Sunday. <laughs> uh, we also have people, we always do, a lot of, uh, a lot of heartache, a lot of trauma, and uh, you know some of those. One knows one set, one knows another. We want to pray for them and uh, pray for Jim Schneider. Uh, Jim's in a very bad way up in the hospital uh, at Good Sam. John and I went up, David did too, different times. We saw him. Been in enormous pain. I think now they've got that becalmed a little, but just enormous pain. And barring an absolute miracle, an absolute miracle, he will, he will pass. But pray for him, pray for the family, pray for God's peace and God's grace. Let's, and any others that you know who may be in distress. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you at this Thanksgiving season, and we are thankful. We're so grateful for your grace, for your redeeming mercy in Christ Jesus. We thank you that we can sit here, know at peace, knowing that we have been redeemed in Christ Jesus. No matter what happens, and bad things do happen, can happen, and Many people in our congregation are in the wake of those, are facing those. We pray that you may give peace where, Father, we find no peace on our own. And we pray you may minister to every need, whether that need is for calm, for wisdom, whether that need, our Father, is for relief from pain, whatever it is. We pray for the Snyder family. Pray for our brother Jim. We pray for others who are in distress this morning and that you would meet every need. We ask it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, we go to uh, the last half of John chapter 30. We begin with verse we go begin with verse 13, 15, I'm sorry. The, uh, the last time John Dodson was up here last week, so a week before that, the message had to do with Jesus and his washing the disciples' feet. So we pick up there. Let's read this text. Jesus says in verse 15, after he had washed his disciples' feet, I'll back up to 14. If then I, your Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I have done. Verse 16, truly I say to you, a principle, a slave is not greater than his master. Neither one who is sent is greater than the one who sent him. I want you to know these things. You are blessed if you do them. 
By the way, Jesus says, I do not speak of all of you. There are 12 disciples. One of them is a ringer. I know the ones that I have chosen. But it is that the scriptures may be fulfilled. And the scripture that he's talking about is this. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. That's back in the Psalms. From now on, I'm telling you before it comes to pass that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. Take special note of that text. We tend not to, but there is a mouthful right there. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit. And he testified and he said, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you Remember, he's still there. One of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another. They were at a loss to know which one he's speaking who. Who? There was reclining on Jesus' breast one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore gestured to him and he said to him, Tell us who it is of whom he's speaking. He leaning back on Jesus' breast, remember they're reclining, reclining, not sitting in chairs, said to the Lord, Lord, who is it? Jesus therefore answered and said, It is the one for whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took it and he gave it to Judas. Shock, shock. The son of Simon Iscariot. And after the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus therefore said to him, What you have to do, do quickly. Now no one of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he had, Jesus had said this to Judas. For some were supposing, because Judas was the treasurer, had the money bag, money box, they were thinking, Jesus was saying to Judas, Go buy the things that we have need of for the feast. That he should give something to the poor. And after receiving the morsel, he went out immediately. And it was night. A very, very sobering passage. Does somebody have a bulletin? I failed to bring one up here. 
Thank you, Robin. You don't have to pay your fees for today. (laughs) All right. I wanted to read the word from the pastor. Down through church history, there's a recurrent theme of bullies in the pulpit and of mad dogs in the pews and a Judas under every rock. So let us all be careful to keep our hands clean, our minds pure, our tongues honest, and our feet on the right path. In his time and in his way, God eventually takes care of frauds and posers. They're always around. I bet everybody in this room if you haven't, you're unique, has somewhere along the line been betrayed by somebody you thought was a friend. And it's very shocking when that happens, very upsetting. But it's even more so to have that person, whoever they might be, man or woman, son or daughter, whoever, It's even more shocking to be in a position where you have to be around them. Every day you have to see them. Every day they're there. They don't know that you know. But they're backstabbers to a supreme degree. That's what Jesus was dealing with. But first we go back to the business of foot washing. Jesus, as we see here, is explaining to his disciples. They didn't really understand. Jesus just got ready for the ritual. And they said, what is he doing? And then he proceeded to go around and do that very menial task. Menial. Underline that. Of washing their feet. And Peter protested and said, no, 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 you're the Lord. You can't wash my feet. And Jesus says, yes, I need to. Now he comes in verse 15 and he says, I want to explain what is going on. What I've just done. In verse 13, he had said, You call me teacher, and you address me as Lord. You're right. If then I, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I've just given you an example that you should do as I do. He didn't mean just them. He meant you and I, that we should do that. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, neither is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed If you do them, we'll stop right there. 
you and I have, we must, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we must find and adopt by the grace of God that spirit. I gave you in our last sermon when several illustrations of that. There's another in the case of my youngest brother who's still living who made a comment to my dad. My dad had come down with apparent blood cancer. It was to take dad's life. But dad, as many of you, and certainly I would be, was so humiliated and embarrassed when at times he could not control his own body functions. He didn't want, my dad didn't want anyone to lower themselves, to clean up after him. And he tried to take desperate measures to clean or hide his messes. Of course, those were unsuccessful. And once Alan, my youngest brother, was cleaning him up and his bed, Dad broke down. He was horrified and ashamed that Alan would have to do that service. I can readily understand that. But Alan told him, Dad, when we were babies, you weren't too big to clean up after us, were you? Dad says no. And Alan said, Dad, what's the matter now if we do it for you? Well, I'm sure many of you can relate to that very illustration. That's being a Christian. And I'm sure that many of you sitting here probably think, well, I think I failed there, and I can relate to that. Jesus drew a lesson out of that that we've got to remember if we claim the name of Christ. We walk with him and we are his disciples. Truly, truly, I say to you men, this is what I'm trying to get across. You're my servants. I'm your master. A servant is not greater than his Lord, nor anybody sent on a mission greater than the one who sent him. So, buck up. You do what I did. There are many people in this world who will not do that when their elders or somebody else close to them get very sick. They want to bug out. Now, I'm cautious here. As a fellow told me the other day, I don't want to judge anybody who puts their loved ones in an institution or a, a home. You don't know everybody's circumstances. And that's very true. And you can really misjudge people when we do that. But there are people, and you know them and I know them. I don't mean know them personally, but we know of them. 
who just want to get this kind of thing that my brother faced off their hands. They've got the money, so they pay somebody else to do it. Where they put them in an institution somewhere, say, you you take them, we don't want to bother with it. We'll stop in once a week or once a month, but we don't want that messiness. We don't want that foot washing project. Kind of things that sometimes happened when Aussie was across the street with COVID and a broken ankle. She just desperately needed, as you've probably been there, to get to the bathroom, which was out here and out there. It wasn't too far away, but if you have a broken ankle, it's a problem. And uh, she had to go. I mean, she had to go. You know what do we mean? You had to go. Ring the bell, 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 ring the bell. Nobody's coming. So eventually, she takes matters into her own hands and gets hold of a walker and somehow struggles in there in the middle of the night. Oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. So finally, she talks to the head nurse. I guess that was her title. May have been another title. Said, well, what do I do? You don't want me doing that. I've got to go. Just do it in the bed. You're paying for that. Paying for that. Just do it in the bed. We'll clean it up. You got to be kidding. You talk about an affront to human dignity to lie there like that. Well, my brother wasn't going to let my dad do that. So we've got to be, we've got to be friends to those in need. We've got to be willing to clean up their messes. You know what? I've seen many of you in this church who do that. And some of you have done it redundantly. And praise God. Well, then Jesus went on to say in verse 17, talking about that model, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. That's a very simple sentence, very easy to understand. But let me go back. Speaking to myself as well as you. If you know these things, these things that I'm teaching you, blessed are you if you do them. You know, one of our problems, I mean all of us, I don't mean to the same degree and I don't mean all the time, but one of our problems is that we spend a lot of time learning, like we're doing this morning, teaching the Word of God, explaining these principles, these precepts that Jesus puts out there. We know them, but sometimes we're very slow about doing them. It's good to know what the Lord teaches. It's good to have sound teaching. It's good to have sound doctrine. But Jesus says, here's where the blessing comes. The blessing of God comes when you say, "Uh uh-huh, I got it. I got this, and I will do it. Not everybody has the same opportunity on every occasion. There are different circumstances. But when it's right in front of us, and we can do it, blessed, that's where God's blessing comes. 
when we just rise to the task and we do what we can do that's lying right in front of us. That's big. Well, Jesus then goes on in verse 18 and he says, By the way, what I've said, I'm not speaking to all of you. There is an exception. I know the ones that I have chosen. But it is that the scripture might be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. What's he talking about? I'm, from now on, I'm telling you before it have, comes to pass that so when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. <clears throat> Jesus says, I'm telling you this right now for a very specific reason. There is an exception in this circle of my disciples. I know exactly who it is. I'm not surprised. This has happened for a sovereign reason, that in my circle, I have a traitor in my midst. I want you to know that I know that. I want you to know that this has happened, that I should have one I know in my midst who is a traitor, who's going to turn me over to my enemies. Are you hearing me? I know this in advance. Now, I've taught you time and time again that what Jesus is saying to them, not in every instance, but in so many instances, it has an application to us. And here it is this. The Lord wants us to understand, you and me, this day and forever, there are no accidents in what is happening to him. And there are no accidents in what is happening to you. None whatever. We may not know all things in advance like he does, but a sovereign God is in charge, in charge of your experience and mine. And sometimes, just like with the Lord Jesus, there will be, there will be traitors. There will be very hurtful people right in your path who will seek to do and may do you a lot of damage from your point of view. You can't sleep at night. You know it. You haven't had a revelation, but you've found out. You just know it. And it's so hard to live with. Jesus says, there's one who's supposed to be my friend, according to the Psalms. That scripture had to be fulfilled, who will lift up his heel against me. There had to be a traitor in the midst to do this evil deed that was planned before the coming of Christ. So when it all rolled out, that person was Judas. God did not make, listen to me, God did not make Judas evil. He did not put an evil heart within him. He found an evil person already with the wrong dispositions, already whose tree was bent the wrong way, already one who would stumble over Jesus as it all unfolded. And we'd get mad, ticked off, and say, oh, he's not going to do anything for us. He's not the Messiah I counted on. Okay, I give up. 
Join his enemies and get rid of him. (coughs) Well, just as our Lord faced that, sometimes we will face that. As you know, I've been in the ministry now about 60 years. I cannot believe all the bad backstabbings. Nobody here, nobody here, if anybody's listening to this, please understand. At this moment, I don't know what you're going to do tomorrow, (laughs) but at this moment, we've got a very happy church. I think you sense that when you walk into the building. So we have nothing going. I'm not speaking out of the side of my mouth to something that I know is going. Nothing like that. That's why I'm glad I can teach this now. I don't have to worry about that. Don't ever let anything get in your crawl. Some pride issue. Don't Some jealousy issue. Some power issue. Don't ever let it get in your crawl and cause you to be a traitor to God's work to God's church, to God's servants, or one of your fellow servants seated right beside you. Be careful. They've always come up throughout history. Make sure you're not a Judas because you will pay dearly for that. Judas did, and you will too. Because ultimately, just like Judas, you betray Christ. If you betray his Peter. Pastors sometimes are those traitors to their people. As I said in that uh, word from the pastor. There are many pastors who turn out to be bullies. They abuse their people. And they deserve what the Lord will ultimately do to them. But then there are people who are Judas's. There are people who just go after the servants of God. They will not get away with that. And I have, I have seen it. I've told you a story. I'm going to tell you again. That happened to me when I was a young pastor. I had a, I had a man in our church. He didn't like it. Because all in the world he wanted me to do, he had been the old archbishop there for a hundred years. He's older, not as old as I am now. <laughs> See if I can get down these steps. We'd give a, we would give an invitation at the end of the message. I would stand down here and more than once he did something like this. He'd get out, he'd just sit back there. Pete is not you, but about where Pete Oliver is sitting. And he'd walk down the aisle. And I would think, because I prayed about it all the time, oh, Lord, revival is happening. And it was great. He'd come down here, and he'd take my hand like this. He'd look down at my feet. Jimmy, what size shoe do you wear? Well, a 12D, Zeke. He's long gone, don't mind using it. 12D. Well, you know, son, I thought revival was happening. I think those were about the size shoes that Jonah must have had when he ran from God. (laughs) 
I was the one running from God. I mean, all kinds of stuff like that. He just tried to stir up trouble and get his group going. Well, he did get some of them going. Life was hard. It's not the last time. Well, when I was about to leave that town to go to teach in Denver, some of you will recall this. A gal who's one of our best friends now passed. She was there to meet me in the U-Haul, say goodbye. And I was just about to pull the door shut, and I said, uh, Well, Arlene, I said it was a good run. But so much more could have been accomplished. The point of this is what God will do. The message is he'll send. If it hadn't been for Zeke, he was always a disruptor. Stabbing. Well, I said, you know, but I think God used him as a Jimmy tamer. And I think that was true. If I'm right, he'll probably be gone six months after I leave because he was in his late 70s. So I went. I was teaching in Bible college and came home one day. The phone rang just about the time I got in the door. Picked it up. I heard a very familiar voice. And I said, Arlene Rummel, how you doing? Jimmy, have you gotten a phone call today? No. Should I? She said, well, said, guess what? Zeke so-and-so died today. Oh, did he? She said, you don't sound all that surprised. Do you know what day this is? No, what day is it? She said, this is six months to the day after you left. Uh-huh. Six months to the day. Well, God sent Jimmy a message. I had it all planned. I use who I use, even the bad guys and the bad girls. I use them. And I do my work. I take care of business my own way and in my own time. Check. That's the way you and I should think about things. Don't let pride, don't let the flesh, don't let something drive you off your basis. Just cover your basis. Put one foot in front of the other and do the next right thing. God knows what he's doing. He puts people in your lives sometimes who are not helpful. You put puts people in your lives like Judas who are malicious. And they will come after you and they'll try to undo you and try to undo your family. I could go on and on with that stuff. But ask God for his grace to stand still, to stand tall, put one foot in front of the other, do the next right thing, and just go on through all the dirty air. And God will accomplish that. We had a situation years ago, years ago, here at Lake and we had a guy, nasty, 
we didn't know how nasty he was. Most of you never knew who were here. But he kept threatening he was going to, he was going to shake things up around here. Shake things up around Lake. Well, we didn't know what he meant. But, uh, eventually we found out that he was always trying to intimidate staff that he didn't like and that sort of thing. Well, there came a point that, uh, we had a, we had a significant need here at Lake. And, uh, from that same guy came a $487,000 gift. Woo, that was very happy news. And it got us over a big hump. Well, God did that. But meanwhile, he got all mad because he couldn't accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. <laughs> Went out of here. Mad as could be. It's white. Mad as could be. They're still mad. <laughs> but God will sometimes use those people, even though their motives are not good, to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. I've seen it again and again. Let him do it. That's my advice to me from experience. That's my advice to you. Just put one foot in front of the other. Keep doing the next right thing. It's very hard. Ask me. It's very, very hard. Always have been, always will be Judas's. You'll run into pastoral bullies. You'll run into individuals who are just nasty. But God is good. God is wise. God is sovereign over all these things. So what happened with Judas, God didn't make Judas evil. Judas already had his tree bent in that way. Satan capitalized on that. So Jesus says in verse 19, from now on I'm telling you before it comes to pass so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. They're going to see this thing with Judas play out. Jesus says, I'm telling you beforehand, I want you to know a sovereign God is in this, my father. And then you may believe that I am he. It's very interesting. Got to untangle that a little bit. Jesus is saying, I'm letting you know now. So when it comes to pass, when it all goes down later, you fellows will believe in me. They already did. He means at a deeper level, a letter of more, a level of more certitude. That happens to us all the time walking with God. Lord, you are so real. You answer prayer. I can't. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Monument. And you move on. But what Jesus says is really very interesting. This is not hard to explain, but I do need your ears. You don't know Greek, most of you, but it, Jesus said, you may believe that I am he. That's right. That's not wrong. But... What he says, listen to the pronunciation of this word. Hardly ever use Greek up here. I just don't want to confuse people. He said that you may believe ego a me. Ego I. 
Amy am. Does that remind you of anything? What did God tell Moses when Moses asked his name way back in Exodus? Basically, that's what it came out to is in Hebrew rather than Greek. Who are you? What am I going to tell the Egyptians? Who You go tell them I am. I am that I am. What's Jesus saying? That you may believe, you can take it two ways, that I am he, same thing. That you may believe, ego a me, that I am. That I'm Yahweh. And that's where the Lord wants to get you and I. He wants to get you and I so that we're there in our daily walk on Monday morning. He shows us things. He works in our lives when we cooperate with his spirit, works in our lives in this way and in that way, in provision and protection or whatever it is that we see that Jesus is God in the flesh, that he is ego a me. I am he. That's where you want to be. That's where I want to be. And since he is what he is, our faith does not flag. It stands up to all of these things. Then he goes on here. And he says something in verse 20. We'll have to stop with this. He says, truly, I truly, I say to you. Whoever receives me, he who receives me, verse 20. I'm not reading that right. I'm sorry. I say to you that he who receives whomsoever I send receives me. And who receives me receives my father. Do you know what he's saying here? I tell you, this is one of the least taught truths in the whole Bible. Whether it's me up here, whether it's John or whether it's David or whoever is up here. Insofar as they are called of God insofar as they're sent by Christ, insofar as their message is faithful to his word, just as his word was faithful to the Father. Jesus says, you're looking at who? Well, you're li- looking at my voice. You're listening to my voice. You're looking at me and my fat belly. And there's nothing impressive about it. But Jesus said, if I sent them, put it down. You're listening to me. Oh, I didn't know that. And whoever's listening to me is listening to my father. So we talk about that Judas thing. We're in a habit. Sometimes I've had the habit myself at times. Oh, will he ever shut up? I need to get home. I've got a roast going. 
We've got a family outing this afternoon. Oh, yeah, 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 I hear you. Hurry up, hurry up. What time is it? Hurry up, hurry up. Get finished. Want to get out of here. Anytime, anywhere, a human being, a two-legged individual, maybe they don't even have two legs, maybe they've got two blown off, but they've got an individual sent, moved by the Holy Spirit. They're his servant. There's nothing impressive about them. There's nothing going, oh, wow. There's no wow factor. There's none of that. But Jesus says, as long as they're speaking for me, I sent them. I appointed them. You be careful. You get your heart tuned and you get your ears up. I am speaking through that individual. And you're saying, oh, shut up. You're saying, shut up to me. Hurry up, you're saying, hurry up to me. Boy, that puts things on a totally different level, doesn't it? Be careful. I know that so many of you are that way anyway. But it's just in the Lord's word, just a warning shot that's fired across all of our bows because all of us are subject to temptation and all of us can screw it up. So let's be very careful, be very devout when we come before the Word of God. Now there's what people call the Word of God that's an error. It's wrong. It's wrong-spirited. But insofar as it is in accordance with the Holy Spirit, it may as well be Jesus who had no comeliness that we should desire him. He wasn't impressive. Nobody ever thought he was the son of God. Nobody would ever thought that. But he was. It's God in the flesh. So let's remember and let's be devout, let's be faithful, let's be pure. Let's keep our feet in the right place. Keep our mouths in the right place. Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for this good day. We thank you for all of your benefits. We thank you for the Lord's word. Now we pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to obey, that we might honor you, that our whole church might honor you, that you may be magnified in your son and your word may be magnified as your word, that we might respect it knowing what it is. We ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.